0: Good afternoon, everyone. We're broadcasting from the AM 1160 to Quest Studio this hour. I'm Annie Porter, and I'm joined in studio by Steph Icke, Carol Tearsmith, and Jack Tyson. And on the phone, we're blessed to have Father Jim Blunt with us again today from the Society of Our Lady of the Trinity. Hello, Hello, Father Jim. Hello, Annie. Hello, Dean. Hello, Father.
1: Hey, Father.
2: Thank you. It's good to be with you.
0: Yes, Thank we have an exciting here. hour coming up, everyone. We're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. So, Father Jim, would you like to kick us off with a prayer?
2: Yes, team. The, the power and the importance of prayer of today is, is um, really unprecedented. There's so much trouble now throughout the country. It seems to be to be planned by the powers that be, planned, all the writing that's occurring. But we want to invoke the Holy Spirit and His peace upon the country that rioting and looting and killing people and hurting people, and these things are not of God. They are not actually human. They're actually bestial. We want the Holy Spirit to make us human and to bring peace to Atlanta, to Washington, and to the whole world. And so I want to suggest that we intercede now for Atlanta, intercede for all of Georgia, with one mystery of the Holy Rosary. And one reason why we want to do that the third mystery of glory, the descent of the Holy Spirit, because we want to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And because the sacred scriptures tell us that the apostles, in the book of Acts it says, the apostles were gathered with Mary, the mother of Jesus, when they invoked the Holy Spirit. And so you see, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If we were to invoke the Spirit of Jesus, we want to do the same thing they did. We want to gather around the Virgin Mary, and call him down upon all of Georgia. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we're going to pray one decade of that powerful, powerful prayer called the Rosary that any Christian can pray, anyone can pray this. Even if you're an atheist, pray it with us, because God will give you the Holy Spirit too. He'll zap you with the Holy Spirit. So here is the third mystery of glory. We're going to pray, One Our Father, Ten Hail Marys, and a Glory Be, asking God for a, a new Pentecost over the earth, and a new Pentecost in Atlanta and throughout Georgia. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The third mystery of glory, the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the Virgin Mary, and the twelve holy apostles. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven.
3: Give Give us this day our daily bread, and and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen.
2: Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
3: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity,
2: now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all
3: of humanity, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
2: Hail Mary, full of grace, Bride of the Holy Spirit, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
1: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love
3: over all of humanity,
2: now and at the hour of our
3: death. Amen.
2: Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
3: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
2: Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
3: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity, now
1: and at the hour of
3: our death. Amen.
2: Hail Mary, full of grace, Mother of all graces, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
3: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
2: Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
3: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love, over all of humanity, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
2: Hail Mary, full of grace, mediatrix of all grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
3: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity,
4: now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen.
2: Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
3: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity,
1: now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
2: Hail Mary, full of grace, Queen of peace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
3: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
2: All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit.
3: as As it was was in the beginning, beginning, is is now, now, and ever shall be, world world without end. Amen.
2: O my Jesus, forgive forgive us our sins, save us us from the fire of of hell, hell. lead all souls to heaven, heaven, especially those in in most need need of thy mercy. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine,
3: all praise and all thanksgiving, be every moment
2: thine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia.
5: Alleluia.
2: Thank you, team, and thank you, listeners. Wasn't that powerful?
5: It was powerful. Very that, soothing, too.
1: That yeah. was awesome, Father. Thank you very much. Um, sure, Jack. We've got a couple questions lined up for you for this week. Um but last week, you discussed the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit and how they're de- designed for our intellect, you know, our will and emotions. So, so for today, before we dive into the fruits of the Holy Spirit, could you just briefly recap how the gifts of the Holy Spirit assist us personally?
2: Sure. It, it really it brings to the forefront, you know, the surpassing uh, dignity of man and the marvel of human creation. Because the creation of man, of man and woman, is really God's finest work. The Fathers of the Church said this, that God, he made the whole world for man, but he made man for himself. Mm. That's powerful. You see, we have a purpose and a destiny. And everything on the earth, including the animals and the trees, they were made for us. It doesn't mean we are to abuse them, not at all. But they were made for us to help us on our journey to sanctification, to help us on our journey to heaven, to help us on our journey to God. So everything here is to to assist you and I to enter heaven one day as true sons and daughters of God. And the Bible goes further, it says when God made us, you know, as you might say, the creme de la creme, as, you know, the highest part of His creation... He made us in his own image and likeness. I mean, he could have made us some other way. Maybe some beautiful creature, but not quite us. But no, God wanted sons and daughters. You could say it this way, that the Father, he looked at his beloved Jesus, his beloved son. You might say the Father lives for the Son, you see. He loves His Son. The Bible says God so loved the world that He sent His only Son. He sent the very best He had. The Father looked at Jesus and said, My goodness, I love Him so much. I want a million more. (laughs) And so He made us. This Son is so beautiful. I want a million. No, a billion. I want more of these beautiful Jesuses. And so he made us in his image and likeness. But then he gave us freedom. He gave us free will so that we can choose to be part of that incredible and gracious plan. He gives us the opportunity to say yes because that's part of being in the image and likeness of God, is that we are also free like God. Mm-hmm. So creating us, his, his future sons and daughters, making us in his own image and likeness, he gave us in particular these amazing gifts of intellect and free will. And we add that the third amazing faculty of the emotions. That's because God has an intellect. Because God has freedom. God chooses freely what he's going to do. And believe not, God has emotions. Maybe not the same way that we do. But boy, does God love passionately. And when he sent the Holy Spirit on the apostles, he sends a flame to show the fire with which he burns. So God gave us these three gifts in particular, making us like himself and like his Jesus. Our intellect and our free will and our emotions. And this is really part and parcel of who we are. And God has revealed this, you might say, through sacred scripture. He's revealed this to the church, and she slowly developed it over the years. One amazing example that the church uses, she borrowed from, you know, the ancient Greek fathers. And the Bible teaches us to retain whatever is good. Whatever is good in anywhere in the world comes from God. Whatever is evil anywhere in the world, in any country, is not from God. It's probably from the evil one. But there are good things we can draw from other cultures, especially the ancient Greeks with Socrates and Aristotle and Plato. And there is one particular story that the fathers used, the Greek fathers, that our Christian fathers used as well. And I wonder if you've heard about this team, about about the giant and the midget. Do you know about that story?
4: I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> Even the title is intriguing, The Giant and the Midget. It is. But it was a way that the fathers used, both the Greek fathers and the Church fathers, like Augustine, the way that they they, they used this story to teach us about, about ourselves. And, and as the story goes, in ancient, ancient days, in primitive days, there was a great giant who roamed the earth. He wasn't a bad soul, wasn't a bad fellow. He was a huge giant, but um, he was... He was blind. He was a blind giant, and he couldn't see anywhere in the jungle. So while no one could defeat him, you know no one could really hurt him. He was so strong, because he was blind, he would hurt himself. and he, he would fall and you know, fall over a, a tree stump or a rock or fall into a pit and maybe hurt himself and have to get out. he had a real dilemma. In the same jungle was born another fellow. And he was a little tiny midget. He was as bright as Einstein. He was smart as could be. But he was tiny and could barely defend himself against any enemy. He had no way to defend himself. He was so small. And one day they made the acquaintance of each other. And the midget, being so smart, he made a proposal to the giant. And he says, let's team up together. Let's live together from now on. I'm going to live on your shoulders. If you could carry me around, no one can hurt me. And then, I, because I have eyes, I will tell you where to go so you don't fall down anymore. How about that? So they shook hands and made a deal. And from then on, the big blind giant walked around with a little tiny intelligent midget on his shoulders. He never fell down again. And the midget was never attacked again. And the Fathers tell us that this represents the human soul, that that giant that's so strong is my free will, that you and I have freedom, and we can use it like to riot and burn down buildings and destroy people's livelihoods. It's a powerful giant, our free will. But it needs a little midget who's not very strong in himself, but he can see very clearly, and that's the intellect, That's your mind. Your mind can see things well. God gave us a surpassing grace when he gave us the intellect. He really did. Because the intellect can pierce the heavens, and the intellect, well-trained, can pierce all deceptions and discern what is true and good and what is false and bad. So when you put the two together, when the giant, you might say, of my freedom, of my free will, is yoked to the vision of my intellect, I have an unbeatable combination, as long as they're rooted in the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so this describes in a very special way our faculties. And you might include in the giant the emotions, because the emotions are very strong as well. They sometimes move the will. And here's the thing. My emotions are beautiful gifts, too, from God. And they can move both my intellect and my will to think about something or to do something. And one of the problems in human life is when I ignore my intellect. And I go from my emotions to my will with no intellectual reasoning in between. But you see, my intellect must test every emotion, as the Scriptures tell us, test the spirits to make sure they are of God. That We are to test, in fact, every thought that comes across our minds. We want to test them. The intellect tests things, it's certain you know, emotions and feelings and ideas, to see if they are of God, if they are good and true. And by the way, this shows you and I the supreme importance of education. It's not just really being lost in the United States of America. It's really been lost in our country over the last 50 years. And one of the great antidotes to this is something that my founder father jim flanagan of happy memory a saintly priest who founded my own community he was like a prophet many many years ago he began speaking about the homeschooling movement the catholic homeschooling movement like 40 years ago before it's even heard of he was talking about this that we need to find a way to reclaim our education because the public school system, uh, both in Britain and the United States of America and many other places, is, seems to be, instead of educating our children, almost dumbing them down. Mm-hmm. And we need to educate our children to be intelligent. Because life can be difficult. It can be quite a battle. It's an adventure as well. But you know, it's hard to ride on that horse in the adventure of life. If you can't even see the horse. And so our intellects need to be well-trained. So this little story of the giant and the midget, the blind giant and the intelligent midget, that has to do with the human being's intellect, his emotions, and his free will. That we need that little midget, you might say, of, of the intellect, which is of supreme importance to guide our free will and to guide our emotions so they take us to the right places. Amen?
3: Amen. Amen. Great story. <laughs>
2: yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Uh-huh. From Good. the ancient Greek fathers, and then and then used by the church fathers as well. And so that's not the whole end of the story, because the stories never finished until we begin reading the Word of God. And by the way, the rosary itself is is basically the Bible on beads. The rosary is the Holy <laughs> Bible on beads. That's what it is. It's a B and B. And so the rosary's for every Christian of every denomination because it's going through the sacred scriptures every day. And so the rosary itself contains the living Word of God. And Mary promises when we pray her holy rosary. And I say this because sometimes there's people who can't read too well and they have a hard time reading. Well, that doesn't doom you. Pray your rosary. Anyone can pray the rosary. Even on your fingers you can pray the rosary. And Mary promises to give us knowledge and wisdom and understanding and counsel to infuse our spirits with the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit when we pray the rosary. And so the rosary is a perfect way to read the Word of God and to be filled with the Holy Spirit who inspired that Word. And these gifts that God gives us, there are many. We actually... You can't really number the gifts completely. There may be thousands and thousands of gifts, you see. But the seven, you say, pivotal gifts of the Holy Spirit are called the Isaiah gifts, mentioned by the prophet Isaiah. And they are wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and counsel, fortitude, piety, and fear of the Lord. And these seven holy gifts, won for us by Jesus at a price, at the price of His blood, He won for us these seven gifts. They constitute the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we call Jesus the Christ. We say Jesus Christ. That means Jesus anointed. Jesus anointed with the Holy Spirit and with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And what are they meant to do? They're meant to undo the work of sin. Sin makes me like a blind monster. Sin has a way of darkening my intellect so I can't perceive the truth and of weakening my will so I can't do what I know to be right. I just do what my feelings tell me to do. Well, we need something to reverse the work of sin. And it all begins at baptism, when either a baby, a teenager, or or an adult is baptized in the Holy Spirit when the water is poured over his or her head or they're immersed immersed in the water there's different forms of baptism but the same thing happens in all of them the holy spirit with his seven gifts descends into the soul and the body of the one who's baptized and thus begins the work of the healing of human nature our catholic life our christian life is really a long adventure in the healing and the perfection of my humanity And so the Christian faith in no way destroys my humanity. Sin destroys my humanity. It is the Christian faith and the fullness of the Holy Spirit that heals and perfects my humanity. And it does that. He does that, the Holy Spirit. He's not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. He's a person. He does that first by these seven gifts. I want to mention, though, as a caveat, there's many gifts of the Holy Spirit, including the three theological virtues of faith, hope, and love. So when we are baptized, and every time we receive Holy Communion, we receive an increase in faith, hope, and love. And the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are how faith, hope, and love are lived out. It's how they are, they are grown within us, how they are acted out. And so these gifts of the Holy Spirit, increasing my faith, my hope, and my love, they work on my intellect, and on my free will, and on my emotions. Those are the things that need to grow, and to be healed, and to be filled with light. And so in my intellect, the Holy Spirit will graciously give me four gifts, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and counsel. And you know, without these gifts of the Holy Spirit, we become blind. We are actually blind. And that's why the Bible speaks of the children of light and the children of darkness. And, and actually, it's worse than being blind, because we become almost like beasts. Without the revelation of the Lord Jesus, without the revelation of the Christian faith, without the gifts of the Holy Spirit... And so wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and counsel help my mind to begin to grasp everything that's true. First of all, God. And so the biggest mistake in modern times is this whole idea of atheism. The Bible says actually that you have to be a fool to be an atheist. The Bible says the fool says in his heart there is no God. And so Wisdom is knowing there is a God. It means it's actually obvious that there is a God. But the holy gift of wisdom perfects me in knowing this God, believing in Him, and beginning to understand His qualities, you see, as all good, and all loving, and all beautiful, and all just, and all fair, and everlasting, and omnipotent. We begin to understand that there's, there is a God, there's only one God, and he's unutterably beautiful. And he loves us. God so loves the world that he sent his only son. He doesn't tolerate us, he loves us. And so in healing my intellect, restoring my intellect to what it was in Adam and Eve before the fall, we begin to, you might say, grasp who this beautiful creator is. He's not only my Creator, He's my Father, and I begin to love Him. And then the Father wants me to understand how it is that I have fallen. Why am I so dark and confused, and how do I get out of it? He gives me the gift of understanding. That second gift helps me to understand, you know, you might say, my place in life. What has happened to me? What has happened to the human race? Sin has happened. There's a creature called the devil who fell before we did and who led us into this path of self-worship instead of God worship. But when we worship ourselves, we not only lose God, we lose ourselves as well. And so the gift of understanding helps me to understand that God made something beautiful, but the human race was deceived by another creature called Lucifer But God has not abandoned us in our sins, but He's given us a way out. And Jesus is the way out. He is the bridge from darkness into light. And He built that bridge on Calvary. It's called the cross. That's actually a wooden bridge that goes from my death and my sin to His life and to His glory. And so the get to understanding helps me to understand what has happened in human history, what is happening now by sanctification, and what will happen in the future. As I receive the seven sacraments and the seven gifts and begin to walk as Jesus walked, a life of pure and holy love, I will walk straight into heaven. And so understanding helps my intellect to see the way, the purpose of life, and the way out. The third gift to to my intellect would be knowledge. And this helps me to understand my environment. While all of this is beautiful, knowing and understanding my Creator, knowing my Savior and the way out, there's also the idea of understanding the world around me. Why did God make it? What is its purpose? You see, the world is not an end in itself. So we go back to our our first quote, is that God made everything everything for man. He made the world for man, but man was made for God. And so the gift of knowledge helps me to know about the world I live in, but to know its purpose. We're not to worship trees. Trees are there to help me worship God. And I say that not only about environmentalism, to be very careful of that, but to respect the environment. But We don't worship trees or animals. St. John Vianney actually said this. St. John Vianney, one of the greatest priests and preachers of all time, he said, if you remove the priest from the village, if you remove the Catholic faith from the village, within one generation, the people will be worshiping trees. Oh, my gosh. He said that back in the 1800s. He said that a long time ago, before we even had this environmental movement. So to be very, very careful, the gift of knowledge helps me to know that the world around me is a gift from God, not an end in itself, and it reflects the beauty and the order and the intelligence of God and leads me to fall in love with Him more every day, especially for me, sunrises and sunsets, trees, and the beach, the water. And so the gift of knowledge helps me to understand my environment correctly, It's another gift from God leading me to God. And lastly, the most significant part of my environment is you. That is my family, my team, my brothers and my sisters, my parish, my city. When we have the gift of counsel, that's the fourth gift for the intellect, I begin to understand my brothers and sisters correctly. I would never take up a weapon, you see, like this, this group, I think it's called the Antifa group, that goes out and destroys property and people and hurts innocent people. No. The gift of counsel, which every human being needs on the face of the earth, allows me to see my brother and sister precisely as brother and sister, that they are in the image and likeness of God. The gift of counsel helps me to make decisions about my human life and decisions, helping my brothers and sisters with their decisions as well. It's a gift of prudence, you might say, of a special wisdom of decisions and human relationships. Extremely important. So these four marvelous gifts perfect my intellect. And when my intellect becomes into order of knowing God, knowing Jesus, knowing the sacraments, of understanding the world and loving and guiding myself and my brother wisely with the gift of counsel, then my my, my free will needs to follow suit and follow after what my intellect reveals to me. And so God, though, gives me a special gift of fortitude that my freedom can say yes to what my intellect is showing me. In other words, my blind giant of the free will is now empowered to say yes to what my little but intelligent midget of my intellect says and sees. Then I can say yes to what is good even when it is difficult. I will do what is good and resist what is bad even when it's attractive.
5: You are blowing us away right now. (laughs)
2: So they, these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And one last set, or the last two, the piety and the fear of the Lord. Is that you all know of what? This... Hang on
5: one second. I, yes. Do we have to go to break, Annie? Because we don't want to miss any of that. Yeah, okay. we've got to take a quick
0: break, but we'll be back with more. Don't forget yep. where you are. <laughs> we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Very good. Hello, I am Joanna Lopez from St. Catherine of Siena
3: in Kennesaw. You're listening to Atlanta Catholic Radio, AM 1160,
1: The Quest. Hey, you. Yes, you. Have you heard the good news? The Quest Atlanta app makes it easy for you to take AM 1160 The Quest with you, no matter the time of the day or the location. Listen to your favorite shows on demand. Submit prayer requests, record a testimonial, catch up on the latest headlines from Catholic news sources with ease. Just search for The Quest Atlanta in the App Store or on Google Play to download today.
4: Fundamentalists claim baptism by immersion is the only true baptism, because the Greek word baptizo, found in the New Testament, means to immerse. But is this true? The answer is no, and here are some reasons why. First, although baptizo is used for immersion, it can also be used for wash-up as it's used in Luke 11.38 in reference to the Jewish ritual washings. Second, we agree with our fundamentalist friends that full immersion best expresses the meaning of the sacrament. The Catechism of the Catholic Church makes this clear in paragraph 12.39. But that doesn't mean non-immersion baptisms are invalid. In fact, the Didache, a first century Christian catechism dating to around AD 70, gives instruction on how to baptize, stating, pour over the head three times. So, if you weren't dunk, no need to fret. Immersion baptism is not necessary for a valid baptism. I'm Carlo Brusard with the Ready Reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com.
0: Join the Quest for Shelter and Peace on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. with Marie Cleveland and comedian Josh Harris. Shelter and Peace, helping us to focus on Jesus through discussions of Scripture and stories of hope. Wednesday mornings at 11 on AM 1160, The Quest.
1: AM 1160 The Quest is your metro-wide Atlanta Catholic radio station. Our programming is rooted in the teachings of the Catholic Church and helps listeners learn new and fascinating aspects of our faith. Here at The Quest, our mission is simple and powerful, to invite, inform, and inspire listeners to embrace their journey of faith through the beauty of the Catholic Church. The Quest team continues to hear wonderful testimonies from listeners all around Atlanta. One listener shared,
0: The Quest helps me grow my faith every day I listen. Every day, I feel the Holy Spirit talking to me through the Quest. If I have a question, it seems like the answers come to me through this Catholic radio station in a timely manner. I enjoy the programming, and yes, it has changed me. It's definitely changed me.
1: None of this would be possible without listeners just like you. We are a 100% listener-supported station. A donation of any amount helps to cover the ongoing operational expenses. Your donation is helping to bring your fellow Catholics and Christians closer to Christ. To donate, visit thequestatlanta.com.
0: Thank you for joining us this afternoon. We're broadcasting from the AM 1160, the Quest studio this hour. I'm Annie Porter, and I'm joined in studio by Jack Tyson, Carol Tearsmith, and Steph Ike. And on the phone, we have Father Jim Blunt with us. And this hour, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So, Steph, I think
5: you had a question or a comment. I actually have a comment. Uh, Sure. I I wanted to remind our listeners Who are getting writer's cramp uh, (laughs) right now. They're probably writing and trying to keep up with you. And we are getting gems thrown at us like a mile a minute. So this has all just been so intriguing. I would like to remind them that they can go back to the archives. And this show will probably be loaded when, Annie? Uh, later this afternoon hopefully Uh, probably later this morning for sure usually okay or for sure tomorrow we would expect and they can go back and listen to this show and write down any notes that they missed out on they can listen to as many times as they want to tell their friends about it share it and you have just been gracing us with so much great information and we just thank you so much for that. And I will also share that Father said today, you know guys, I'm just not 100% today. And I would have to say <laughs> if you're not 100% at this minute, you sure <laughs> you sure are. <laughs> so thank you for this and, and we'll go back to where we were with the seven gifts. Do you remember what we were going to talk about next?
2: Yes, we, we're going to talk about the um, the special faculty of the emotions. They're um, They're so... Uh, distorted today, our emotions. In fact, there was a famous song, which, you know, had, it was beautiful. It, it was, one of the lines was, don't think, feel. Don't think, feel. You know, and there's a certain <laughs> truth to that. You know, we don't want to suppress or repress our emotions all the time. That emotions can be very good indicators for us. They, they can sort of indicate something, but every emotion needs to be tested by the intellect, so if I have a feeling, whatever it might be, let's say I have a feeling of danger, it's good to, to take stock of that and, and to look and see if it's real or not. Because we, we can be fooled by our feelings. And so we walk by faith, not by feelings. We walk by faith. And faith, you see, resides first in the intellect. That we, we grasp the truth of who Jesus Christ is and the, and the truth of who we are through the gift of faith, which is in the intellect. So the emotions have a role to play because they can uh, sort of alert us to things around us in our environment and in one another. And they can be like little indicators to us. They can, even, they can motivate us in a way of giving us energy. But to do things that our intellect has determined are true and good, then they can move my will to, to say yes to what my intellect is saying is good, you see? So they work in a certain harmony my intellect, my free will, and my emotions. But they all need to be purified by the Holy Spirit and by His seven gifts. And one of the ways that this works is in the gift of piety and of fear of the Lord. And these are gifts of the Holy Spirit that go right into my emotions. And in particular, the gift of piety has a way of perfecting me in love. In other words, it orients my emotions towards love. My emotions, if they're not, you know, sanctified by the Holy Spirit, say, through baptism and confession and frequent communion, they can become an end unto themselves. You see, the only end of our lives is God. There's no other end. And that's why St. Elizabeth of the Trinity said, enough, enough of secondary causes, of secondary ends, go to the primary cause, the primary end, that is God. So our emotions are not meant simply to be an end in themselves or to be worshipped, but they are to help me to worship God. And they help me to worship God not just with my intellect, but with that beautiful love, you see, a great love we see that Jesus had refined feelings, emotions. He had piety in fear of the Lord. He wept over Jerusalem. And he praised his heavenly Father. Father, I praise you, he said, "What you have hidden from some, you have revealed to the simple, to the childlike. So having healthy emotions is a very important part of our, of our soul and of our Christian life. And the gift of piety helps my emotions to zero in on love. So piety includes not only the love of God, but also the love of my parents. My father and mother are images of God to me, especially when I'm tiny. And that's why the Bible places that commandment, number four, honor thy father and thy mother, right after the commandments about God. It's not the ninth or 10th commandment, it's the 4th commandment. After the first three commandments of, of loving God and keeping His name holy and keeping Sunday holy, the first three commandments teach me to love God. That's the first part of piety. But the second part of piety is loving my parents. Loving those whom God has given to me and who gave me life through these parents who become images of the Father and the Holy Spirit to me. In particular, my daddy sort of symbolizes God the Father in a way to me as a child. My mother, the comforter of the Holy Spirit. And so our parents are great gifts from God. Piety is my emotions, loving my parents, not rebelling against them. And boy, we need the gift of piety today. Because our modern culture has become so twisted that we oftentimes teach our children, you know, to to disobey and to rebel, to disrespect. I'll never forget, I, I don't have TV in my rectory. I don't have any cable television. But I remember years ago, and it's one reason why I began to not watch television, is that like every sitcom, every funny show on the television, and indeed every commercial, um, I would see amazing displays of disrespect for mom and dad. That the children in these, in these comedies and these sitcoms, they would actually mouth off to their parents and be disrespectful and arrogant. And I began to realize, even as a teenager, wait a minute, this seems to be different than what the Bible says that they actually teach the television teaches our children to disrespect their parents and to even to make fun of them. And so we would see in so many commercials and so many shows, the father, the man of the house, is an utter nitwit or a goofball.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I see that in so many shows and so many it's just a, a total zero. And then the mother, of course, she runs the family, or she's the intelligent one, is always the mother, never the father. She's intelligent and efficient. And the child is the genius. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm wondering about this because I come from a family of eight children. And now we were smart kids. We all made the National Honor Society. Mm -hmm. Not one of us was smarter than our dad or our mom. And they were smart. We got our smarts from them. They were intelligent, too, more so. And our dad was the head of the family, was not a wimp or not a nitwit by any means. And our mother was bright and beautiful, but she never put my dad in his place. She always respected my dad. And my dad always loved my mother. And we were taught to obey both of them, you see? Mm -hmm. But these things have been reversed. That's the gift of piety, Piety is is loving in a marvelous fashion uh, your heavenly father and your earthly father and mother. And St. Thomas Aquinas teaches us that piety includes loving my fatherland. Piety then includes the virtue of patriotism. Patriotism is a godly and Christian and scriptural virtue. And we are to love our homeland. If we're from Poland, we are to love Poland. If we're from Zambia, we are to love Zambia. And if we're from the United States of America, we are to love the United States of America. And here I see this particular part of godly piety destroyed in our children, in our schools, in our colleges. Actually teaching our young people right here in Georgia, teaching them to hate our country. And to make fun of the founders of our nation. This is actually mortally sinful, what we're doing to our children. We are to love everyone, even our enemies. And of course, we are to love our homeland. And so piety perfects my love. It gives me a special grace in my emotions not to love rebellion, not to love wickedness, but to love God, to love my family and to love the country that God gave me. Amen. 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 That's the holy gift of piety. It's very important. And we should not by, I need to repeat this, in this day and age today, in, 2000, in 2020, we are not to hate our country as if there's other countries better. No, I've been all over the world. I've preached all over the world. Every country is sinful. And every country is beautiful. We are to love our countries and the weaknesses of our countries, then work with love to correct those weaknesses. And the things that are good about our country, exalt those and live those well. There's no perfect country. They all have their strengths and weaknesses like every human being. And we should love our countries. And so the gift of piety perfects my emotions, in particular love. And finally, there's something called the fear of the Lord. And some theologians, some writers would say that's awe, the gift of awe, which is, I think, a pretty good translation of that as well. The fear of the Lord is, is a form of respect. It's a respect for one who we see as awesome, as awesome. Because God, you see, has so loved the world, that he sent his only son, and then he sent his only spirit, the Holy Spirit, into our hearts. He has drawn close to us. As one writer said that, that what is, who is Jesus Christ? What is Christianity? It is the distant God brought close. That's what Christianity is. It's the distant God brought close. In a particular magnificent way, in the Holy Eucharist, the distant God, the awesome God, is brought into my body. God desires to be close to man. He loves man more than a young bridegroom loves his bride. God loves you and I. And so to have such a relationship with such a God is something that's off the charts. That's what the Catholic faith is, and that's what Christianity is. It's having a loving union with the God of the universe. Because of my fallen nature, because of what happened to our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden, even this gift, as we receive that gift of loving God through piety, we can lose our respect for God. And we can see this, like, even in our families, right, almost anywhere there's an old saying that says, familiarity breeds disrespect. It's a beautiful old saying, you know, in political science. Familiarity breeds disrespect. And so in our familiarity with God, which is good and wholesome and willed by God, it must never dip down into disrespect. Disrespect. And I can illustrate this maybe in a tiny story. When I was a teenager, one of my teenage buddies, he came up to me, and he said this to me. We were, we were both were Christians from different churches. But he said to me, hey, Jim, he said, I've got God in my back pocket. And I looked at him, because I come from a, a different background. I said, really? I said, shouldn't you be in his back pocket? <laughs> That was my first thought as a Catholic, you see, that, okay, yes, we have familiarity with God, but never a disrespectful or contemptuous, you know, familiarity. The God that I worship, the God inside of me, remains God. And I want to tell you a secret. When you have this gift of the fear of the Lord or respect of God, I want to tell you from experience that your love for God grows exponentially. It grows magnificently when you have the gift of fear of the Lord. It actually complements your love. And that's how it perfects your emotions. So you love God in a familiar way, but in an awesome and respectful way at the same time. These are the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit that serve to heal and perfect my human nature, my intellect, my free will, and my emotions, so that I am fine-tuned to God, my Creator, and I am fine-tuned to my goal. Life on high in heaven and paradise forever with the Most Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
5: Amazing. Amen. So we just looked at the clock, and we've got about eight minutes, I think, five minutes, Annie says. And we have a question for you that we think is the smallest question we have to handle in five minutes. <laughs> you could probably talk an hour about it, but do you feel like giving us about five minutes on what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And you yeah. can always pick up more on that at another time, but something great to send us off with.
2: Sure, it really is. Um, it's a phrase that we've seen used in recent years in the Church, and it seems to be, um, have started with, I think, in some of the Catholic universities at the beginning of the charismatic movement. And we speak about this new experience of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And to begin with, we will remember that St. Pope John XXIII, who called the Second Vatican Council, he prayed for a new Pentecost a new Pentecost. It's just beginning. But he he prayed for a new Pentecost. That's amazing for the Vicar of Christ to pray publicly. Now, what does that mean? Well, one thing it does mean is he could see clearly that the church had become, like Ezekiel would teach us, dry bones. That the church, in a way, had been drying up for centuries. And I remember you would hear this phrase, oftentimes when I was young, pay, pray, and obey. That this is what it meant to be Catholic pay, pray, and <laughs> obey. You know, that's kind of a perversion. I mean, it does capture a few things, true, yes, but it's kind of a perversion. Because then we forget that all of human life, revealed by the Catholic faith, is a love affair with God, our Creator. It's a love affair. It's a fiery love for a fiery God that's filled with unspeakable joy. In the words of the first pope, St. Peter, in the Bible, unspeakable joy. And the church seems to have lost that. So God raised up John Twenty-Third to help renew this in the Church. So He gave us the Vatican Council, too, which was a way of updating, you might say, not changing, but updating many of her teachings in modern language. But that's not enough, you see. We need more than just the truth for our intellect. We need love for our emotions and freedom and fortitude for our will. And those come through the direct intervention of the Holy Spirit. And so Pope John Twenty-Third, St. Pope John, prayed for a new Pentecost. And one of the phrases, it's amazing when he prayed for that, that this, this renewal came, I think it was at uh, Duquesne University, it came just like a, a couple years later, as if in direct response to the Holy Father's public prayer, and the charismatic gifts of the Holy Spirit, which maybe we can talk about next week, they came mm-hmm. over, these teenagers, these college kids, and I believe some of the professors as well, they began to speak in tongues like we read about in the Acts of the Apostles in our own Catholic Bibles, and to prophesy and to heal in wondrous, miraculous ways. All of a sudden, these original gifts of the Holy Spirit were coming back. These are called charisms. These are also gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they have a way of setting man on fire, and when the charism comes over you and I, it gives me a power to help the Church, to help the whole body of Christ. So a charism, it, it certainly helps me to receive a gift of the Holy Spirit, like tongues or prophecy or healing. But it also enables me to help you, you see? Mm-hmm. So charismatic gifts are a way of using the Christian to begin to help others as well. It's a beautiful thing. Well, you might say the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit helped to perfect me as a Christian man, you as a Christian man or a Christian woman or a Christian teenager. But then the charisms give me a mission. And they, they help me, this, this newly refined man or woman, to begin to bring Jesus to others. And the phrase that was coined was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful phrase, but it can be a little bit confusing, I think, sometimes, because most Christians are already baptized. And most Christians already have the Holy Spirit, or they should, because the Holy Spirit can flee from us when we commit mortal sin. And that's why God gave us the Sacrament of Confession. And yes, we'll talk about the sacraments too in future shows because all, each of the seven sacraments fills me with a unique power of the Holy Spirit, to, again, to restore me and to perfect me. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit can be confusing because we're already baptized and we should already have the Holy Spirit. But here's the thing, is that these gifts seem to have dwindled down over the centuries in many ways so that even Pope John Twenty-Third and St. Pope Paul VI also noted this, that it seemed like the Church was dead in many places. How can we get this indwelling of the Holy Spirit? It's almost like he was living inside of God's Catholic people and our beloved Protestant brothers and sisters, too. But in most of us, he's inside of us, locked inside a cage. <laughs> like a little birdcage inside of my heart. And there, the Holy Spirit is locked, you know, strongly under control. But the idea is, is to let God be in control. Too many of us, including many of us clergy, want to be in control. The Church doesn't belong to us. The Church belongs to God. It's not our Church. It's God's Church. And we want to let God be in charge of the Church, of the parish, and of our souls. So we want the Holy Spirit not to be in a little cage locked up inside of me, maybe dying of hunger, but to open that cage and let him flutter and fly out. Then Mm -hmm. he can renew every part of my being. I have to let him come under control of all of my senses and my faculties. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit is referring to a renewal of the gift of baptism so the Holy Spirit actually reigns, you see? Mm-hmm. And let uh, me finish this maybe with a little story that I remember as a teenager. I, was, I think I was 19, and I went to a special meeting, and a friend of mine invited me. And I went one night after work. And it was at a very beautiful house, really like a mansion. And there were a lot of people there. I'm not sure why I was invited, because I'm not rich and never have been. But there are a lot of people who must have been well-to-do with a very wealthy house. And I would say there were at least 65 of us there. And there was a man speaking to us, and he was a very good speaker. It turns out I really didn't know him. He was a professional football player. He was one of the football players in the National Football League. And he was giving us this story about really it's about a pyramid scheme, about how to sell and make money. And to make a long story short, he used an example in his talk, and he said that life, he said, is like, like a wagon wheel, and you have all these spokes coming out from the center of the wagon wheel, and he described them to us about human life, and there he mentioned, you know, my education and the schools I went to, then he mentioned, like, my family and my heritage and my ancestry – and he mentioned, like, my business and my vocation and my work. Then he mentioned my friendships, you see, then my religion and then my health. And then. And when he said that, all of a sudden I stopped because I wondered what was going on in this talk. Why was this multimillionaire trying to make more money? That didn't make any sense to me. But he wanted to say make us rich, but as we did, he would get richer and richer too. So I realized it was all about money. But then when he said about the spokes... He said, you know, your education and your business and your vocation and your family, your religion and your health. Wait a minute, I thought. Your religion is not another spoke on the wheel of your life. Your religion is the hub. Your religion is everything. It's not another spoke. Your relationship with God in Jesus Christ is the center of all of human life and should be the center of the globe. Amen? Amen. Amen. And see, that's what the Holy Spirit is meant to do. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to release him from the cage. So he's not just another spoke on the wheel. But so the Holy Spirit, the third person of God, dwelling inside of me, is now reigning as king. I'm not in control, I yield control to him, and then my life becomes Christ-like, and then my life becomes beautiful, because Jesus himself was guided by the Holy Spirit.
0: Ooh, mm. Time sure flies by when we're talking about the Holy Spirit, guys. Oh <laughs> <my> <laughs> gosh, that was so powerful. Yes. Father Wonderful. Jim, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon, and we would love for you to close us out with a prayer and a blessing.
2: Sure, thank you, Miss Annie. Why don't we uh, pray the traditional prayer to begin with of the Holy Spirit, that beautiful traditional prayer that Christians of all denominations have learned. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
3: Amen. Amen. Amen.
2: Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful. Enkindle within us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be recreated, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit you did instruct the hearts of your faithful, grant us by the same Holy Spirit that we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. 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 The Lord be with you. And
3: with your spirit.
2: May Almighty God, our Father, our Savior, and our Sanctifier, may He bless everyone who's listening now with the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, with joy unending, and with eternal life. May God bless you in the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: And for all of you listening, if you didn't get to catch the whole episode, that's okay. It's going to be on the archives later today or tomorrow morning. So like Steph said, if you couldn't keep up writing down your notes, you can catch up with them again. So be sure to check that out on the app at The Quest Atlanta or online at thequestatlanta.com. So thank you for listening to your Atlanta Catholic radio station, AM 1160 The Quest this afternoon. Be sure to stay tuned as the Divine Mercy Chaplet is coming up next.